Yesterday we spoke Echaya Sheva Badad. We said that Badad means separate. And we explained that the word Badad in the Torah is used a number of times in a very positive way. Bil'am used it to, ex- to express the beauty of our people, that they're separate, they're unique. Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of his life, Vayishkon Yisrael Betah Badad. That's by, uh, by Hatan Meona, at that uh, beautiful Aliyah people pay a lot of money for. It says over there, Vayishkon Yisrael Betah Badad. Am Yisrael, they're secure when they're by themselves, when they're unique. The Badad mentioned in Echa, however, as we explained yesterday, is a different kind of Badad. It's a Badad that when we don't fulfill the Badad of the Torah, we get this Badad. It's a Badad where Hashem basically forces us to be separate through hatred of the Goy, who separates us from himself. As I mentioned previously, in the world there's room for Am Yisrael and there's room for the Goim. But just like Shatnez, Shatnez is wool and linen. Wool on its own is, is wonderful. Sha- linen on its own also wonderful. There's a place for linen in the world. But together they don't go. It's not a good mix. It says in Shira Shirim, Lereyach Shemanecha Tovim. Amisael's compare to shemen, to oil. When is our smell good? When it's like oil. What is the oil? The Beit Levi says that oil doesn't mix with other liquids. When is Am when is Shemanecha Tovim? When is Am Yisrael smell good? It's when we we live our lives like the oil, where we are separated from the goyim around us. This is one of the critical lessons, one of the critical lessons that we learn very early on in the Torah, very early, even before Matan Torah, which means that even before we had a Torah, there was this principle that Am Yisrael, in order to become a great nation, in order to achieve in the highest level, has to be separated. We saw yesterday how, how Yosef made, took extra measures that they live in Goshen, separate. But even before that, we find by Yaakov and Isav, when Yaakov was coming back from Lavan, worried about what Isav was going to do to him, he wasn't sure if Isav was going to come to kill him or to come to befriend him. So the Pasuk says very clearly, that Yaakov, as part of his preparation to meet up with Isav, he prayed. He did other preparations too. One of them was tefillah. 
And in this tefillah, he says, Hatsileni na, famous words. He says, save me. Save me from my brother. Save me from Aisav. Which, of course, is repetitious. We already know that his twin brother is Aisav. What does he say? Save me from my brother. Miyad Ahi, Miyad Aisav. Twice, Miyad. It's only the, it's the same person. You could say, Miyad Ahi Aisav. So Hazal explained to us that Yaakov was worried about two possible scenarios that Aisav might present. He might come as Aisav to come and fight with him, or he might come as his brother to come live with him. Seems to be a beautiful possibility. But Yaakov Avinu was praying that he shouldn't be a brother and he shouldn't be Aisav. And in fact, if you look at the words, the first worry was, Miyad Ahi, save me from my brother. I mean, more than fighting with Aisab, he was worried to be friendly with Aisab. Because Yaakov understood this principle, like Yosef understood it. It's been part of our family for many thousands of years, that our family cannot be matzliach, we cannot rise to the top successfully if we're mixed. We need to stay separate. And in fact, in that story, the way it played out, you know, many people know what I just said, but they don't know the ending of it. Because actually when he met up with Aisav, Aisav did come to him as a brother. And in fact, he told him, he says, Aisab says to Yaakov, Bayomer, let us travel and go together. We're brothers. We've been away from each other for a long time. Let's partner up. We can become a very powerful nation together. Let's go together. Will walk opposite you. So the first thing Yaakov does when he hears this, by Yomer Elav, by Yomer Elav, he says to him, Adoni Yodeya. He says, My master knows. He says, My children are still young. Look how much cattle and sheep I have to take care of. If you push them too hard, they're all going to die. Basically saying, I can't go with you. It's, I have too much here. I can't go as fast as you go. You go ahead. You go ahead in front of me. And I'll go to the speed, slowly. I have work, I have children. So he says, you go ahead. Basically, he was in a nice way. Trying to tell you, know, you tell somebody, you're on your porch and the guy is talking to you. After five minutes, he wants to get rid of you already. He said, please, Fadal, come in. Now everyone knows what that means. 
you've, you know, you've done that before. You say fadal. Fadal means kiss. Get out of here. You know, there's, there's nice ways of telling somebody that uh, it's time to separate. We have different code words. We don't say, I don't want to be with you. That's not so nice. So you say it in a way where everybody understands. Good. Say thousand. You go ahead. You go ahead. I'll walk at my own at my own pace. Oh. He says, so when Isav didn't either didn't get it, didn't want to get it. But Yomir Isav, Isav, okay, I'll take care of you. Don't worry. Looks like you need help. I'll give you from my people and they'll help you. They'll help you carry the load. Don't worry. I have drivers for you. I have everything you need. At this point, Yaakov has no choice. He didn't, he didn't get the hint. By Yomer, Lamaze. He says, For what? My brother, Lamaze. I'm happy that you find that I found favor in your eyes. In other words, I'm satisfied that we're not fighting. I'm satisfied that you like me. I'm, I'm satisfied we're not going to war. In other words, I don't want to take this further. We're good. We're good with each other. Let's, let's, not, let's not go further. He had to tell him basically outright that he didn't want to be with him. And, and the next pasuk shows that Isav was not so happy. Because it says right away, by Yashov, by Yomahu, Isav ledarko se'ira. On that day, what, why is Torah telling us that he went that day? It means he got it. He understood. He got maybe even a little offended. One might say, oh, that's very dangerous what Yaakov did. He offended Isav. Not so smart. He got the message. On that day, he went, to, he went back home. He didn't want to stay with him another minute. But Yaakov understood that if you could do it without offending, do it. If you could do it with a hint, you do it. But if you have no choice, and the choices are to become together, or you have to offend, so you offend. There's no choice. That's the directions of the Torah. Better you do it in a way where it's peaceful. Better you do it when nobody has any kind of complaint without confrontation. But if there's no choice, there's no choice. And that's what happened over here. So that's how it works. That's what Badad is. This is when dealing with Goyim. Exactly. We, we, we appreciate the Goy. There's room in the world for a Goy. He has a purpose in this world. We have no animosity towards a Goy. But the existence of our people doesn't work when we mix and we try to be like the Goy. Bottom line. There's no existence to the future of Am Yisrael when we become like Goyim. I remember once, I don't remember who I heard the story from, but this is going back 50, 60 years. The world was a lot different also. There wasn't all this. There wasn't... So I remember someone told me a story 
There was a rabbi who wanted to build a yeshiva, a new school. As you know, 60, 70 years ago in America, even by Ashkenazim, there wasn't, there wasn't much. By Sephardim, for sure not. But even Ashkenazim didn't have much. And one, a rabbi wanted to start a yeshiva. In those days, people went to public school. That was the norm. So he went to a wealthy man and he asked him if he could become his partner to build the yeshiva. So the wealthy man was not so observant. So he told him, why do we need the yeshiva for? He says, everybody goes to public school, they get an education, they get what they get from their house. You know, whatever the, the rhetoric is of such a conversation. So he told him, he told him, listen, he says that do you think Moshe Rabbeinu in the time of the Mizbar, the people that he says the Jew during the days of Moshe Rabbeinu do you think he looked more like you or more like me? The way you live your life, the way you act, the way you he says, who do you think the Jew looked like 3,300 years ago? So the obvious is the, the answer is obvious. He says our goal in life is to make Jews look like those of Moshe Rabbeinu. Which means that the values of Am Yisrael never change. In fact, the way our nation is built, very different than the street is that we always look to emulate the values of the people before us. The world out there, as we know in today's world more than any time, the cancel society. The cancel society is a, it's not a new thing, but today it became more, more popular. Where basically everything in the past, if you could cancel it, cancel it. Because... Because cancel cultures, I didn't say it right. Basically, the idea is cancel culture means everything new is smarter, everything new is more valuable. The people of the old times didn't know anything. They were cruel, they were bad. They all, all of that. Am Yisrael, when we read about Yaakov Avinu, when you read that, you're supposed to say, oh wow, that's what I got to do. The Torah wasn't given to us as a history book. It was given to us to read for our lives. When we see a story like that in the Torah, the Torah is telling you instruction for your life. This story of Isab and Yaakov never changed. There is no new way how to deal with a going. There's no new system. There's a new going. And there's a new country, but there's no new system. The system is that we must educate our children to be separate. You cannot educate your children to be mixed and then figure out how to get out of it or have a different way of dealing with the goy or the hatred of a goy. There is a Torah that we have. We have a way to deal with things. 
we have a sure way to deal with things. The new ideas that you see in the street, whether it's fighting anti-Semitism or whether it's inviting people to speak about anti-Semitism, you have to be very, very careful in general in life when you solve problems. That they should come from Torah. So a guy, this is going back a good 15 years. I was, I was a little younger then. A little, a little younger. So something, some, something happened in the, in the shul. And I had to basically decide one way or the other. And there were teams. There was the wealthy team. And the, and the, and the not so wealthy team. That's how it turned out. So, so a person comes up to me. After Saf, very wealthy man, nice man, but, you know, ignorant. So he says, uh, Rabbi, I'm very upset with you. I said, well, what did I do to you? He said, he says, I feel, I feel like you don't respect me. You hear that? You ever been told that? Never heard of it. I told me straight. I feel like you don't respect me. So at the time, I don't know, it was like a... Today I'd be smarter probably, I'd answer. But at the time I didn't know what to say. But I told him it's not true. That's not true. I said I respect you very much. And I told him, if there's anything you ever need from me, I will do it for you. And if you're talking, I would hear everything you have to say. So I do respect you. I said, but I hope you don't get offended if I tell you that I respect the creator of the world's opinion more than yours. I hope that's not offensive to you. So at the end of the day, when people come out with new solutions to problems that have been around for thousands of years, you need to always verify where this came from. What's your source? You can't just do things because they're exciting and they catch people's eyes. You gotta know that we come with a Torah. We were not born yesterday. When we live life that we're born yesterday, we cease to exist. We have history, we have Torah Shabbat Peh, Torah Shabbat we have guidelines, we have traditions, we have ways how to handle problems, we have ways how to deal with issues. Everything is here. You gotta, you gotta go, and seek guidance in every area in life. That is the way of Am Yisrael. When we read the Torah, we're not reading an ancient text. We're reading a living text that is applicable today. At a time when Am Yisrael was separate, like he said, the opposite. The Goyim wanted to be e like the Jew. So much so that they had to control the Gerut. The, 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 the conversion, it was getting out of hand and people were joining, but they weren't really sincere, but they, it was such a, it became such a popular thing to become a Jew that people were just doing it out of popularity and not from a, a real commitment. The most separate doesn't mean we don't care about the goy. That's what it means. People think like separate means I'm better than you, you're no good. That's not what it means. 
not what it means at all. Actually, we'll get to that soon. Separate just means that I have a unique job and I can't do it if I live like you. I cannot fulfill my mission in life if I have your customs and I have your, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you act. I cannot fulfill my job. That's a normal thing in life. When people have a certain job, they can't be around people who don't allow that job to take place. Fine. That's what it means by that. Now, we go to the next word. Next pasuk says in Echa. Ha'ir rabati am. He says, how can it be the city? Talking about Yerushalayim. Ha'ir, this city. Rabati am. The word rabati am means rab. The, the amount of people that filled the streets of Yerushalayim were huge. Rabba, Rab, Rabbati Am. Why Rabbati with the Yud? It should say Rabbat Am. What's Rabbati Am? In Hebrew, you don't say Rabbati Am. You say Rob Am, Rabbat Am. What's Rabbati Am? So it simply means it's coming to, to emphasize how big. But some say it's a hint to what the there's a Braita that says that one time Agrippas, the king Agrippas, he wanted to see how many people were in Yerushalayim during Pesach. So how's he going to count? So he told them when they, when they bring a Kurban, that every time they take from the Kurban Pesach, they slaughter it, they'll take one, one uh, kilia, one kidney, from the animal and they'll put it on the side and they counted the, the Braitha says they counted all the kidneys and they came out to be in one day 1.2 million double the amount of people that were Yotzeh Misraim 1.2 million Korban Pesach on one day oh so the Braitha says, well, you got to figure that each Korban Pesach had at least 10 people. So that means in Yerushalayim during Pesach, there were 12 million people. So it's hinted in Rabbati Am. Rabbat is the amount of Korbanot. And the Yud is number 10. It was 10 times the amount of Korban. Rabbatiam, the amount of people. The city of Yerushalayim was a major hub for business, was a major hub for spirituality. Just imagine, imagine the scene. You know, today you go to Yerushalayim, even today, you get inspired, you bring home something. But in those days, this was, yeah, 2,500 years ago, around that time. In Yerushalayim, no, 12 million. 12 million people in Jerusalem for Pesach. So, the city that was full 
with Am Yisrael coming. They weren't coming, by the way, to vacation on the beach. They were coming all for one purpose. Something you never saw. We never. What an amazing sight that 12 million people were coming for one purpose. They were coming to the Beit HaMikdash. They were coming for Kedushah. You know, today, people get excited when 10 people are doing the same thing. They want to be part of it, even though it doesn't make sense. They don't like it. it but if everyone's doing it, you do it anyway. Could you imagine everyone is coming for a holy purpose? That was the Ruach, the, the spirit. What an amazing, you go to Yerushalayim, you get enough fuel for the entire year. That's what Yerushalayim was. Ha'ir Rabbatiam. Rabbatiam is not only in numbers, but in purpose. It had a great purpose. The Rabbatiam, not only the numbers of people, but the great purpose of the Am. What purpose is there to a lot of people who are doing nothing? But Rabbatiam means they were many accomplishing a great purpose. What happened to her today? Says Yirmiyahu and Navi. She became like a widow. Why does he use the word widow? He says, Am Yisrael became like a widow. Yerushalayim, representing the Jewish people, became like a widow. A widow, Lo'alenu, is someone who doesn't have help who doesn't have support. She feels weak because she's on her own. Am Yisrael, for many years, before the Hurban, had tremendous siyatadishmaya. They had a tremendous back helping them. There were miracles in the Beit HaMikdash daily. From the time of Mitzrayim till then, there was clear help of Hashem in their life, how they took over the land of Israel, how they developed it, the years of Shemitah, all of that, they had tremendous help. It was clear. But now, she felt like Hashem no longer was there to be with her. And she felt like an almana that has no assistance from her husband. Am Yisrael lost their assistance, their siyatad ishmaya from the creator of the world. Now, gentlemen, question. Why does the Megillah, why does Yirmiyahu and Navi describe Yerushalayim or the Jewish people like an almana? Why not like a Girusha? Why not like the Vosi? Why, why only Almana? Maybe Girusha. A Girusha also has no husband. Why choose Almana over Girusha? Now, if it was me and you writing, we would say, okay, he used one. What is it, Yirmiyahu and Nabi? Talking through Ruach HaKodesh. Why Ke Almana? Why not like a divorced woman? A divorced woman also has nobody helping her. What is the difference? The difference is 
that when Zohar says this, by the way, Zohar says that when a person divorces a woman, it's koret. Koret means it cuts the connection between the woman and the man. Sefer keritut. Torah calls a get. What's the get called in the Torah? There's no word get in the Torah. In the Torah it's called the book of cutting. Sefer keritut. When you cut ties between the man and his wife. Once there is the Sefer Keritut, they have no connection to each other. But the Zohar says that a woman whose husband passed away, which makes her an Almana, she has a connection to her husband even after death. It's true that death separated them physically, but spiritually they're still connected until she marries somebody else if she does. But if she doesn't, she has the same connection to her husband. It's still there. It's not visibly there. There's no physical connection in this marriage, but there's still a part of her husband that is living inside of her. And anyone who has met an almana knows this very well. They still have a connection. Hayata ke almana. I don't know. Zortos and almana. Hayata ke almana. Which means, yes, I'm Yisrael. Hashem left us. And they didn't see anymore the, the back. The help, the siyata dishmaya, like we saw before. But not like a gerusha. Not like a divorced woman where Hashem basically says, I'm done, I'm out, I'm no longer with you. No, no, no. Like an almana. Hashem is still. The, the, the neshama of the Jew is still alive. Even during the Hurban, but not outwardly like he saw before. Before he saw Hashem and his assistants physically, it was all over. But after the Hurban, like an Almana, which means not gone, but it's still living, but now inside the Jew. This explains. A few different subjects that we live with today. Today, a Jew is not divorced from Hashem. A Jew maybe is like an almana. He's got to find Hashem inside of himself, but it's there. In fact, Yeshayahu Navi, when he describes when he describes the qualities of Mashiach. You ever wonder what Mashiach will look like? What does Mashiach look like? Forget his looks. Forget his outward appearance. But what kind of person is Mashiach? So actually, as Shayawa Navi tells us, he says, Venaha alav ruah Hashem. 
which means that you'll see on him the spirit of Hashem. Means you'll see in him something beyond physical. People you see physical. Him you're going to see something beyond. Ruach Expected. You're going to see in Mashiach a tremendous wisdom. Bina. Ruach He's going to have a ruach of advice. You sit with him, gives you clear advice. Gibura. He's going to have strength, power, control. And then he says, after he lists all those, says, Mashiach, his quality is going to be that he's going to smell fear of God. He's going to smell it. What does that mean? What fragrance is the fear of God that only Mashiach is able to smell it? And it says, he will not judge by his eyes. And he will not prove from his ears. What does that mean? He won't judge with his eyes and prove with his ears. What does it mean to the smell? It means that when it used to be that Hashem was married to us fully, so it was easy to see fear of God on a Jew. You could see it in every part of his movement. You could see it in Am Yisrael clear. But Mashiach, during the time when Am Yisrael will be like an almanah, where it's not going to be visible outwardly. But Mashiach has a quality to smell the greatness, the godliness of the Jew that's in him. He could look at a Jew and it doesn't look like he has God attached to him. When he judges with his eyes, he sees, oh, that guy, forget it. He has no connection to God. He has no connection to the Torah. Look at him. Look at the way he dresses. Look at the way he looks. Look at the way he talks. Your ears hear a different language. He talks a different way. He talks like he doesn't believe in anything. He talks like everything opposite. But Mashiach will understand the words of Yirmiyahu and Nabi. He knows it's not Haita ke Gerusha. Haita ke Almana. Which means that you can be sure that every Jew that you ever meet, if he's an authentic Jew, he's a real Jew, you have to know that you're looking at someone who has Yirat Shamaim inside of him. He has Kiddusha inside of him. It may not look that way on the outside. You may not hear those words. But like an almana, 
where you don't see your husband. He's not there helping you. But he's there with her. But you got to look deeper. Mashiach has that quality of being able to smell because when you smell something, you can't see it. When a person smells, where is it? The guy had no nose and you tell him, wow, you feel the smell in this room? He says, what smell? What are you talking about? I don't see anything. For smell, you can't see. For smell, you can't hear. It's a sense that you're able to use your nose to grab it. Mashiach will have the sense of smelling not perfume, but smelling the Yirat Shamayim inside every Jew. You can never look at a Jew and say, that guy, he's nobody. That guy is gone. There's no gun. In the outward appearance, that's what it looks. Those are the words of Yirmiyahu and Nabi. And by the way, this has halachic, halachic ramifications. It says, it says in the Ilkot Gerushin, the Rambam writes in the halachot of divorce, halacha says that a woman could only be free from her husband when he gives her a get. As you know, it's a terrible situation when a man is not willing to give a get. The woman is called the aguna. She's stuck because he's not giving her the get. She can't get married to anybody else. It's a terrible situation. Torah says that in order for a get to be valid, it has to be given by the husband to his wife. And it has to be given beratzon. Beratzon means willingly, which means if you beat the guy up and you basically push his hand to give the get, so even though he gave her the get, it doesn't work. What's called pushing his hand? That's a big subject of debate today. Sometimes you don't have to push his hand, but if you put him under such duress that he has no choice, so that already could be considered he's not giving it willingly, and therefore the get is no good. So these are all different subjects that are a struggle in our society today where we have to try to push him but you can't push him to the point where he can't do it any other way. The Rambam writes in Ilkhod Gitin. What if a man says, I don't want to give her a get? The Beddin tells him, listen. Not right. This woman, you're not with her. Give her a get. I don't want to give her a get. Says the Rambam. They take a whip and they hit him. They hit him once. You want to give her a get? No. Another whip. You want to give her a get? No. Another whip. Says the Rambam. Until he says, Until he says, yes, I want to give it. Says, I want to give it. 
You whip in one, one whip at a time. You know, one whip. Say, you want? We don't want to force you. We don't want to force you. You want to do it? You want to do it? He says, no. Here's another one. Nice. Beautiful. Says the Rambam. Says the Rambam. What? After reading this Rambam. I brought it. I have it in my notes. You have to read this Rambam. It's not worth it for me to make it up outside. Listen to this Rambam. I highlighted it for myself. Rambam says, hold on. What kind of Allah has this? Then I tell you that the guy has to do it willingly. So you keep hitting him and then he says, I won. That's called willingly. Says the Rambam. You should know, if you know how to read the Rambam, Rambam has thousands of halachot. He doesn't usually go into their logic and the reason and the questions. Rambam gives you halachot. You want reasons, go learn the Gemara. That's not his job. But I guess here, it's so, it's so shocking, this halachot. The Rambam himself in the halakha has to give you the perush. He says, He says, Why is this get value uh, valid? It should be void. The guy is basically forced. Listen to these words of the Rambam. He says, he says a Jew, doesn't the guy want to be Jewish? Is he Jewish? He's Jewish. Says the Rambam, that because he's a Jew, he says, he wants, if he's a Jew, he does want to do mitzvot. And he does want a divorce her right now. Because that's the mitzvah right now. He does want. He says, I don't want. He says, that's his external, his yetzerah. That's not letting him. But inside, he really wants. And sometimes it takes a few hits to get it out of him. Which means that the Rambam is using this halakha l'maaseh. This that Yirmiyahu says, Hayatake almana, that the Ritzon Hashem, that Hashem is residing inside the Jew. He brings it, the guy who tells you, no, I don't want, it's his bad character, it's his Yetzirah. But inside, his real Ratson is he wants to do the right thing. But his Yetzirah is not letting him. So when he finally says, I want, that's the truth. It's not called, I pushed his hand. He wanted to do it. Because inside, he really does want. And that's why Shalom Melech in Shira Shirim says, in the name of every Jew, one day we have to learn Shira Shirim. The beautiful Megillah. Started, we got to really go back to it. Like, like other things. 
He says in the name of every Jewish soul, every Jew, Hagid Ali, please tell me, the Neshama talks to Hashem, Hashem, my soul loves you. And they ask, how can Shlomo Melech speak for every Jew and say the words that my soul loves you? Every Jew could say, my soul loves you. And the answer, yes. Every Jew has a automatic love of Hashem deep inside his neshama. He may do things to hide it. You may not see it with your eyes or with your ears. He may not act like it. But if you would be Mashiach or have the qualities of Mashiach, you'd see right through it. You'd see a guy saying one thing and you know it's not like that. I don't think there's a community that this is more clear than this one. People you saw 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that you thought, what's this guy? What's he worth, this guy? What's he worth? What's his children worth? Look at the way he raises his children. They have no hope. What's going to come out of them? And today you see families, families of people that look like they were kofrim. They were driving on Shabbat. They ain't not kosher. Did everything wrong. Their children, one after the other, beautiful, benet Torah, beautiful, neshamot. There's no greater example of haita ke'almana like our community, where people look like they have Hashem nowhere near their life. They look so disconnected. Somehow, that love for Hashem that's inside every Jewish heart was burning inside of them, even if their actions showed otherwise. And that's what every person needs to know about himself and about the people around him. You never look at a Jew and say he's lost. Like it says in Tehillim, I said this for sure once to you. Says in Tehillim, David Melech in Kof Yutet, Perak 119. The long one. All the way at the end. By the top. He says, Ta'iti. Says David Melech, a Jew sometimes feels lost. Feel lost. Not connected. How many people you know that feel lost? You like it. I feel I know it. Ta'iti keseobed. He says, I feel lost like a sheep that's lost from his owner. Like a lost sheep. And they ask, if something is lost from an owner, what's the difference what it is? If it's a sheep, or it's a pen, or it's a book, why does he say, I feel like a lost sheep? Why does he say specifically a sheep? And they explain so beautifully, such a beautiful explanation. That a sheep that's lost is different than a pen that's lost. Because when an owner loses his pen, there's an owner looking for the pen. But when an owner is looking for the sheep, 
not only is the owner looking for the sheep, but the sheep is looking for its owner. Am Yisrael is never lost like a pen. Am Yisrael is never lost like a book where Hashem is looking for him. Only every Jewish neshama is looking for Hashem. Every soul of a Jew is wanting the connecting to Hashem. So it's not like a lost pen where the owner is looking but the pen isn't. Hashem is looking for us. We're looking for Him. We have different ways of expressing that. Sometimes we look in the wrong places. When you see a Jew traveling, going here, finding new gadgets, new toys, new parties, a new level party, a new idol. When you see people doing all kinds of crazy things, one thing to remember, they're looking for Hashem. The search for Hashem is so big, it never lets them be satisfied. Sometimes other people in the world, they do something, they're satisfied, they're done. Oh, not a Jew. He needs more. I need more. I keep looking. What's he looking for? He's looking for Hashem. And he looks in many different places. That's what Hazal tells us. That every Jew says, Which means, our desire is to do your will. We don't say that always. But inside, that is the emit. Every Jew has the burning fire of Hashem inside his soul. Used to be the fire was clear on the outside. But says Yirmiyahu Navi, I feel terrible that the outside Kiddushah is no longer visible. Hayata ke'almana. Today, she's like an almana. The fire is not gone. But it's no longer visible on the outside. But the fire is burning inside every Jewish soul. And it's meant to come out from the person himself. Fortunate are those who see their fire and see the fire of others around them. Okay, have a good day.